0: Welcome listeners to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. What's up? Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Happy Spring Break. Everybody Pump for Spring Break? Awake with Daylight Savings on Spring Break. Come on, all the people that went to Florida, can we pray for rain for them right now? Father, we just send not heavy rain, but light, cold rain. Send it their way. In Jesus' name, uh, it is good to be in the house of God. They're going to miss out on what God has today. Maybe they're watching online. I was uh, on vacation last week a little bit, and I got to watch church online. That was awesome. Come on. I don't know if any of you got to get to partake of that, but what a blessing it is. Come on. Can we just thank our production team and the worship team and everybody that makes this possible? And. So many people get to be a part of this around the country, really. We got people that watch all over the world. And so if you're watching online, what's up? We love you so much. Thanks for being a part of our community. Um, I'm going to jump into part two. Corey did an amazing job last week. Everybody enjoy that word he brought starting out a... A series called My Good Friend Judas. We've been looking at uh, just Judas in, in um, the life of Jesus a little bit. And uh, we've got a great uh, season of, of Lent. Obviously, Corey explained that a little bit last week leading up to Easter. And we're going to do a Good Friday service this year. It's going to be very powerful, just a great time of communion and intimate fellowship and just what that looks like for the body of Christ. We'll, we'll have that. And then we're going to do a little um, uh, more of a traditional even um, um, the the, um, uh, the triumphal entry uh, service where Palm Sunday, we're going to do a powerful time with that. And just, just putting some of those into our community, I think it's so valuable to to have those traditions and uh, to, to see some of those things and how God uses them. So be, be, be looking forward to that. And then Easter is going to be amazing. Invite friends, family. We're going to have three services. And then some of you have heard, we're going to go to three services after Easter and keep those going uh, so we can just make room for more people. And obviously this room's full, spring break, rainy out, time change. Come on, everybody. Thank you for being here today. And, um, God, God, God did some amazing things in first service. People are experiencing life change. We have people all over the, the room really uh, raise their hand and respond to the message. I believe God's going to do something in your life today. Uh, we're not here to play church. We're, we're here to, to see the Holy Spirit do something in the life of God's people. And um, we're a family and God wants to do work amongst his family. And so um, we're believing for that to happen. And we're, we're going to make more room for more people to experience that. We're going to have a 9 a.m., a, a, a 10, uh, a 30, and then a noon service, nine, 10, 30 noon. And so we'll make room at noon. Maybe some of you want to figure out a different service and make more room in this service. If you're a guest with us or hanging out and you're kind of new, we're not going to ask you to find a different service. If you've been coming for a long time, maybe you can try out one of those other services to give more room uh, at this service. Cause this is obviously the most attended service for newcomers and people checking us out, but you guys are the rowdiest service. So come on. I'm glad you're al- uh, alive and, and loud. Uh, we need that. I'm going to jump right into the word We're going to pick up in uh, Matthew. This is at the Last Supper, and this is where Jesus is about to be betrayed. Uh, They, they, uh, well, excuse me. This is right. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has just had the Last Supper. He's identified his betrayer, Judas. Um, Judas has gone out to betray him. Uh, A lot of people, some theologians, think that Judas wasn't that bad of a dude. They think that he was, I think he was, but a lot of people think he was just very political and he was playing the political hand to try to get Jesus to start his kingdom, his kingdom campaign. And so they thought that he, because Judas saw the miracles, saw the signs and wonders, saw what Jesus had done, Really knew who he was, and he was upset that he wasn't becoming king. He's like, I want to I rule this thing. He was very political, and so we got to set up the kingdom. And so many believe that he kind of took the money and betrayed him with the Pharisees to get Jesus to kind of uh, play his hand and become king on earth. Obviously, we know that that wasn't the situation, but uh, this is where Judas is planning to betray him. It says, are you still sleeping in the garden? Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Anybody ever been betrayed with a kiss? You ever thought it looked good, felt good? Seemed good, but it was deadly. I think we've all experienced deadly kisses. Judas brings a deadly kiss. He's the one sees him immediately. He went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? There's where we get the title of this whole concept, this whole series My good friend, Judas, Jesus calls him friend. He wasn't being sarcastic. He wasn't being facetious. His words were spirit and life. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't like stretch the truth. He, he, he called him friend. We, we, we treat our Judas is probably a lot different and have different names for our Judases than Jesus. Come on. And he calls him friend. And why have you come? Here's the thing. You heard it last week a little bit, but Judas gets you to pray more. He gets you to fast more. It gets you to repent more. It gets you to forgive more. Amen. He gets you to come to an altar more. It gets you to beg God more. He gets you to be different. He gets you to your destiny. Judas got Jesus to his destiny where Peter said, God forbid you go to the cross. God forbid you die. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, but call Judas friend. Because Judas was the one that pushed him to his ultimate destiny. Judas pushes us to our destiny. Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him, and suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant on the of the high priest and cut off his ear. Uh, but Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think, look at this, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? Do you think I cannot call on heaven and they'll send and use my authority and they'll send an army of, of angels from heaven? Do you, do, you, do you not think that I could use my authority to, to destroy my betrayer? Do you not think? But here's the thing. If Jesus destroys his betrayer, he derails his destiny. He said, I could use my strength and authority to, to curse my Judas, to destroy those that are, that are, that are, that are bugging me. I could use, you could use your authority. You could use your position of power as a parent. You could use your position of power as an employer. You could use your position of power as, as influence, as a friend group. You could use those to demean and diminish those around you, but you derail your destiny. Jesus says, I could do all that, but, but I, I, I want to get to my destiny. He says, how then could the scriptures be fulfilled? If I destroy it, how could I get to the cross? How could I become all God wanted me to become? How could I save the planet? If I do that, it has to be fulfilled. This must happen. We give Judas a bad rap, but then it says, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Come on, we all weak at times. And they all run off. My title for today is very simple. It's called The Backhanded Blessing. The Backhanded Blessing. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the things you've sent into our life to strengthen us, mature us, grow us, break us. You said that sometimes that, um, we're made of clay and that the, the, this treasure we have is in earthen vessels. And sometimes Lord, when we're broken, that's when the glory is is shows out. Sometimes Lord, when, when our flesh is torn and when our flesh is ripped in two and when we go through certain things, that's when your glory is revealed. So I pray today that you would heal us and reveal your glory in Jesus name. Amen uh backhanded blessing anybody ever experienced one of those backhanded blessings i remember years ago i, I was a, i was in a situation at a, at a place of work and uh i was a student pastor i was being fired at the time and uh and we were, we were sitting around a table. My wife was there and we were all around this table and they were asking some questions of my wife and I and they, I had a different theology than they had and they figured that out as the Holy Spirit started doing a lot of miracles and signs and wonders and, uh, and so they didn't like that. And a lot of people don't like revival, you know what I'm saying? People don't really, and so people were like, ah, we don't really like that. And so I, I don't back up from that. So I'm like, well, this is what I believe and I'm being kind. Well, one of the people around the table, they said, uh, this was actually the, the lead pastor's wife and she, she was in the meeting. There was about 12 of us she was involved in the youth ministry and, uh, and she said, you know, the students have gravitated to you and God's done so much work in their life. And she started listing these things of great things that happened. So, and she looks at me and she goes, so you do have a few redeeming qualities. I was like, I was like a few redeeming qualities, huh? Thank you. I talked to her husband later. I was like, did you hear what your wife said? He's like, she was giving you a compliment. I'm like, Oh no, I got a compliment. You get it home. But a few redeeming qualities ain't the kind I want. It's a backhanded blessing, a backhanded blessing. We're in the South, so we can do that to each other. We can actually be cursing someone at the same time. We're blessing them like, like oh, bless your heart. Bless you. Oh, no. Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. you, you, you cursing and, and, and blessing at the same time. That ain't a blessing. Come on, someone who is blessing you to your face, but betraying you to your back. The ultimate backhanded blessing is a kiss of death from Judas. We're all going to experience a kiss of death. We've all experienced someone blessing us to our face and cursing us to our back. We've all experienced a deadly kiss. They said till death do us part until they didn't. They said, I'm with you until they weren't. They said, I'll protect you until they didn't. They said, I got your back until they didn't. There's these things in our life that kind of happen to us and they seem like betrayals. They are betrayals. They're painful. They hurt. And the reality is the enemy wants to use them to stop us and trap us. He wants to use them to hurt us. And if you've ever experienced something like that, can I just tell you you're in good company? Cause that's exactly what Jesus felt. Everything that you've ever felt, that's exactly what Jesus felt. My goal for today is that when we leave here, the word of God has been preached and the spirit of God has done work. And literally you can say to yourself, you can say to those around you, you can say to God, I'm too blessed to be offended. I I will not live a life of offense. I I will live unoffendable that you and I can make a decision that I'm going to allow God to do a work in my life today. And I will not be offended. Some of you are so easily offended. You're so easily offended. And here's my question. If the master of your soul and the leader of your life was nailed naked, naked is, is, Southern for naked was nailed naked to a tree and didn't get offended. What makes you think you can, if he's the leader, if he's the Lord of my life and he went to this place and I just, I, I'm too blessed to be offended. You can't offend me. That's what I'm making a decision. I'm too blessed to be offended. I'm too blessed to allow offense into my life. Proverbs eighteen nineteen says it this way. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Here's the danger of offense. Here's the danger of, of allowing these, these, these Judases to hurt you and offend you. Here's the thing. That a brother offended, a woman offended, a sister or brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, meaning that walls go up and walls go up and walls go up and walls go up. And And now you begin to protect and protect and protect and protect until you isolate. And the reality is a brother or sister is harder to win than a strong city, meaning you can't experience life change if you're offended. God can't even break through sometimes because you put up so much protection and so many walls and so many areas that you've isolated certain parts of your heart and life. You're going, no one's gonna speak to that or get to that because I've got walls around it and I'm holding an offense there and no leader can speak to you, no coach can speak to you, no teacher can speak to you, no pastor can speak to you, no spouse can speak to you, no child can speak to you. You, you just, it's, you're harder to win than a city because you've been offended. And so you protect and protect and protect. I just want to leave here. If we leave here with one thing, it's going to be an unoffendable life. I pray that I could be unoffendable. What God has done for me will always outweigh what you could do to me. What God has done for me will always outweigh what you could do to me. And God has done so much in your life and my life. And here's the thought offense is a trap that is used to paralyze you. Here's a progression in Matthew 24. Here's the signs of the times. We all want to know what the end times look like. Many of you have read this, and this is Matthew 24. Jesus says this. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumor of wars. That's where we are. See that you're not troubled. Come on see that you're not troubled. Some of you are so troubled because you didn't expect all of what the news is presenting. This is what has to happen. See that you are not troubled. See that you are not troubled when you turn on the news for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. So that's, that's where we are. You look out. We can see it. Let's not be ignorant. Let's know the times. Let's know the seasons that we live in. So there's things happening. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Welcome to church. (laughs) (laughs) And you will be hated by all nations for my sake. The word nations isn't just like like countries. It's, It's nations. It's ethnosis. All people groups. There'll be people groups that hate you for Christ's name. There'll be There'll be communities of ethnoses that hate you for Christ's name. There'll be all different types of people that carry things and flags and agendas that are contrary to the word of God that will hate you for Christ's sake. They will deliver you and I up and then many will be offended. will betray one another and will hate one another. Here's the progression. Many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Come on. Somebody say, thank God. Give me strength, Lord. Many will be offended. The sign of the end times, many, the word many means most, 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 most. 51% of people will be offended. There'll be a time, Jesus said, in our day that most people will be walking around offended. (laughs) That people will be hurt, and then they'll be walking around. And they'll be offended. The majority will be offended. The progression, it starts with offense. Here's what offended is. Offended is when an incident becomes my identity. Then when an incident and something that happened to you becomes your identity, it leaks down into your spirit. It leaks down into your soul and it leaks down and becomes part of your attitude where offense now is your attitude. It's part of who you are. It was an incident, but now it's an identity. Offense is in your spirit. What they said to you in middle school now is leading your life. What the teacher said, what the husband said, what the spouse said, what the wife said, what the, what that person said, what that boss said. Many of you, when I was preparing for this, I heard statements in my mind of what certain people had said to me over the years. And they were just kind of coming back up and had to take those and pull them down and give them to God. Many of those thoughts in your mind, they, they, these offenses come. They're either meant they'll either drive you or paralyze you and neither are great. Some of you are so driven by an offense. You're going to prove the whole world wrong. Some of you are so paralyzed by an offense, you're gonna prove the whole world right. And we get in this place of being paralyzed and now you don't trust anybody and you can't because of what happened to you 15 years ago. It's been grafted into your soul. It's been grafted into your attitude. It says they will be offended and then that hurt will then lead to betrayal. Then they will betray one another. What is betrayal? Betrayal is when I protect myself at the expense of you. I'm gonna protect myself because I was hurt and I have an offense, so I'm gonna protect, protect, protect. Starts with an offense that crept into my identity, and now it leads to betrayal. I'm gonna protect at the expense of you. That's the opposite of the gospel. The gospel is give, 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 serve, die, give, love, serve, give, die, forgive, repent, give, serve, die, love, joy, die, love, serve, give, die, serve, love, give, forgive. (laughs) It's the gospel. Betrayal is protect, 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 protect protect at the expense of everybody else around me. They go from offense to betrayal. And then it says they will hate one another, begin to betray each other, begin to have this in families and in homes and in workplaces, they'll begin to hate one another. Then the false prophets will rise up. Here's, here's what happens. He goes from hurt to, to betrayal, to hatred, to false prophets. I meet people that get hurt in church or hurt in a relationship or hurt in life or hurt by a community. And then they begin to say, God said when God never said. That's what it's saying. That false prophets will rise up. Well, you know, God never intended for big buildings and big church and people to gather. It's not supposed to be. Well, no, you got hurt in church. God never said he never intended for this. <laughs> He actually said the opposite. I intend for my saints to gather and not forsake this. Well, you know, God didn't really mean one man and one woman. That was an ancient manuscript that was found under the. (laughs) Oh, but you're going to read some tablet you found in New York in 1972. Okay. Sorry, that was a dig. false prophets will rise up. Usually people get hurt and offended. And then they begin to say things God never said. It all started with offense. Many will rise up and deceive. Here's number five. It goes from false prophets to many rising up and deceiving. Can I tell you, we have an entire world and an entire generation of people wanting to rewrite the Bible and trying to get you and I to buy into things and and appease and approve of things that God has actually condemned and a world calling evil good and good evil. And I will not stand by and allow us to be deceived. I will speak the truth in love. I will love all people. I will, I will accept all people, but I will not approve of deception for God's people. Love is not love, and, and, and I won't fly some banner that says so. I will stand for the love of Christ and the love of God. I won't let culture dictate the, the value of a baby in a, in a woman's womb. I won't let culture dictate what I'm allowed to say, what I'm not allowed to say. I won't let culture intimidate me or scare me. I serve a greater king and a greater God. I don't go by the commandments of this earth. I go by the commandments of a God in heaven. I will not be, I will not be deceived. I will whittle this thing down to one and ask Jesus to show up and say, God, we won't walk in deception. Uh, Satan, here, here it says that many will be deceived and here's the next progression and lawlessness will abound. This all started with hurt and we can take it to culture out here, but this happens in your heart and in your home when you let this progression roll. Lawlessness will abound. What's lawlessness? Nobody will tell me what to do. Nobody will tell me anything. I've been hurt. I've been offended. And now I've gone to this progression, regression, and no one's going to tell me anything. No authority, no coach, no teacher, no boss, nobody. I see it all the time. Lawlessness will abound. Because you got offended and hurt. Now no healthy authority can actually speak into your life. No, No healthy voice can actually speak into your life. Do you know the sum of the satanic Bible? You might see a bumper sticker every now and then that says it. A man that wrote the Bible. Uh, he was from Europe and he wrote the satanic Bible. And it says, it says, the sum of the law is do what thou wilt. You might see a bumper sticker every now and then. I've seen a few in Knoxville. Do what thou wilt. Satan's sum of his whole entire law is do whatever you want. Do what thou wilt. Lawlessness. Lawlessness. Just no one's gonna tell me anything. And then here's where it leads to once lawlessness abounds. And it says the love of many. And again, that's the word most, the love of 51%, 51% of the world will grow, grow cold. We'll begin to annihilate each other and hurt each other and talk love, but burn down things and kill each other. And people groups that we don't agree with, will will annihilate them. And just, 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 just love will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Meaning he or she that can get punched in the face over and over and over and over and over and over and and still love them. will be saved. Say, can I have that ministry, Lord? (laughs) Yay. Like he has long suffering. I don't think any of us like that. I've got names for, the, for those kind of people that have done that stuff to me we've all have experienced that. This is the progression. I wanna to talk to you about several of the ways to handle it and some of the attitudes that come from it and really when you get hurt and it becomes your attitude, number one, your filter will always be hurt. When you get hurt, everything is a, is a, is a hurt filter, meaning you're the victim everywhere you go. No matter what, you're the victim because you have a lens of hurt. It got down into your, into your soul. It got down into your attitude. And so now everything you see is hurt. I'm hurt. They hurt me. They're saying, and, and, and really what's happened is your feelings have become your idol. And you have more faith in your feelings than you have in God. And now your feelings are leading you in every interaction, and in every scenario. If they offended you, if they hurt you, if you're mad, if you're angry, all that becomes your idol. And now that's actually your religion is how you feel and it's leading the way. So that's what happens if you don't deal with the offense. Number one, it becomes your filter. Number two, if you don't deal with it, usually you cover it and then, and you think time will heal it, but time doesn't heal it. Time infects it. Time will infect it. And it'll begin to get infected in your life and your relationships and time doesn't heal. And I want us to not just cover it. Here's a couple types of pain. Number one, there's real pain, excruciating pain. Some of you have been through excruciating things, hurt, pain, abuse, divorce, rape, you know, all, all, all types of things, unjust actions and activities that happen against you and to you. And that's real pain. And you have to deal with those things or it gets into this progression of Matthew 24. That's real pain we all, we've all had. Number two, there's, there's perceived pain many many of you at times have perceived pain because of a hurt or offense in your life from years ago now when someone's trying to say something or do something you know it, you overreact because you have this perceived pain it's really not someone trying to hurt you or not a pain you just perceive it that way because of your filter nice sweater oh you don't like my sweater <laughs> you, know, you know it's just like you overreact because of a, of an area or a wound that you flinch at, that's gotten down into your soul. Does that make sense? Perceived pain. Years ago, my wife and I had an air condition problem. I was so upset. We had this new air unit that the people told us about. They put in the house, had this special filter in the basement, an allergen filter, it like got all the allergies out of the house. They had another filter upstairs that we changed out the air quit working. I called the guy, paid $200 for him to go to the basement and tell me that the air filter was dirty and clogged. And so it was a hundred dollars to fix that filter and $200 for the air guy. So I paid $300 phone call to figure out my filter was messed up. Here's the deal. It's not someone's fault. It's your filter. You, a lot of times you think it's someone else's fault when it's really your filter. And you, you need to begin to go, okay, I need a new filter. God, today, I'm praying, God, give us a new filter. Give me a new filter. Let me see the spouse that cheated through a new lens. Let, let me see the husband that was harsh through a new lens. Let, let me see their actions through a new lens. Let me see the boss that unjustly treated me through a new lens. Let me, let me see some things through a new filter not putting yourself in danger, hear me? Not putting yourself subject to abuse on a daily basis. None of that. Get out of danger, get out of harm's way, but don't hold on to the things and the things that happen to you and, and, and uh, in you. Does that make sense? I need a new filter. I don't want Matthew 24 to be my progression. God set me free. I don't want to grow cold in my love. Here's a couple things about pain. Number one, you can write these down, they won't be on the screen pain was never meant to be permanent. Pain is a great teacher. God gave us pain to learn, to grow, to, to help us. God uses pain in our life. It was never meant to be permanent. Pain was never meant to stay. Pain is meant to tell you, man, something's bleeding. Something's hurting. Something's on fire. I need to talk to somebody. I need to see a doctor. I need to get some help. I need to be honest. I need to repent. Pain is there to, but in America, And in the American church, we've treated this a little bit like a, like a drug, a drug house where I'm, I sell drugs and you come at once every three weeks and get a fix and, and, and it helps your pain, but you go away unhealed and, and not doing some of the things and you come back for a fix. And this is a family, not a, not a drug deal. (laughs) And in America, we've built something in a whole industry called pain management, where we have pain clinics. Pain management clinics that have hurt and abused. A lot of them are under inspection and under scrutiny from federal government laws because of the millions and millions and millions they've addicted and millions that have died because of these pain management clinics. And we've got a whole industry around pain management where they don't really deal with the pain. They just actually take medication that numbs the pain receptors so people can go through life and not have to deal with the pain, but can still function with the pain in their life. God is not into pain management clinics. God does not want to numb your receptors of where there's pain. He doesn't want the pain to stay forever. He wants the pain to be dealt with, the pain to be recognized, the pain to be honest and actually say, okay, God, I'm going to give you this. It's an indicator, but I'm going to give it to you from my life. I'm not going to carry it any longer. I don't, I don't want pain management in my life. I want healed. Anybody? I'm, I'm not saying that we don't, please, we need counselors. We need help. Take some medication if you need some pain medication, you know, but don't let that be the addiction of your life. And I'm talking about your soul right now. Many of you are trying to medicate your soul with things that will never appease your soul because you haven't dealt with certain offenses and things in your life that you're, you're going to and being triggered by. Number one, pain was never meant to, to be there. Pain was never meant to define you. It might've happened to you, but it's not you. It's not who you are. If you catch yourself rehearsing that thing over and over and it's been a while, I mean, I know somebody will be like, hey, have you heard what happened to me? I'm like, yeah, I've known you for a year and you tell me every time I talk to you. (laughs) And and I've had to check myself rehearsing different situations of betrayal or hurt or pain in my life and, and rehearsing that thing over and over and over. It's not meant to define me. It's not meant to be who I am. It's not meant to lead the way. Number three, pain was never meant to lead you. It's not meant to stay around. It's not meant to define you. It's not meant to lead you. It's not meant to help you make your choices. It's not meant to help you protect yourself and navigate. You can look on your life and go, you know what? You're making choices based on 15 years ago or two years ago or 10 weeks ago. You're making these choices about today. It's not meant to lead you. Many of you got maybe a wound in a leg or a wound in an arm. There's this game called Fortnite. Anybody play Fortnite? Come on, where are my Fortnite people? Come on, yeah. Right here, yeah, yeah. My son, my son used to play it, and every, every now and then he watches it. You watch, watch other people play it. That's weird, you know? But that's what they do now. And so my son will watch him play the Fortnite, and one time I'm watching him play, he gets shot in the leg, and he's on the ground, and I'm like, get up, get up, get up. He's like, I can't get up, I can't. I'm like, you're only shot in the leg, get up. He's, he's like, I can't. What, what is it? What do you have to do if you get shot in the leg and you're on the ground? They have to do what? They have to revive you, exactly, course got to revive you. And if they don't revive you, what happens? You die from a, from a leg wound, from an arm wound on the ground, crawling, not able to get up. Something minor became major because no one revived you because you didn't experience revival, that you didn't respond to it in the right way. So now what would have been minor has derailed you from getting up and walking into your destiny because you got hurt without reviving, without dealing with it, without getting honest in your soul with it. It's not meant to lead your life. God wants to revive you and revive some things in your life. I don't wanna crawl. I need Jesus. We're all gonna experience a Judas... We're all going to have betrayal. We all have experienced pain. How do we handle it without our love growing cold? The word offense in the original language literally means trap. It means a stumbling block laid at one's feet to ensnare the leg. You ever seen a trap for an animal? It gets the leg. It's not a deadly wound, but it gets the leg. And then that animal just goes in circles until it dies. Until someone comes and kills it or it dies. The enemy wants to entrap you with a fence. He wants to snare your foot, snare your leg, entangle you, entrap you until you circle and die. Some of you have offenses in your heart right now and you see the progression of death setting in, but you haven't dealt with it and been real about it. You haven't talked about it, got help about it, and the enemy has you trapped. Years ago, one of my sons built a trap in our backyard to catch a raccoon. And he took string, this tiny skinny string and put it between all these trees, like hundreds of pieces of string through like four or five trees, hung cheese from the strings. I don't even know if raccoons eat cheese, but they probably do, probably do. Hung, hung, hung cheese from the string and put these little you know cans to like, you know, clank against each other when he caught something. I saw that trap, I'm like, you ain't never catching nothing, dude. I will not catch a thing. about two days later I hear the cans going off like, cling, cling, cling. I'm like, what in the world? Like you got one. I ran out there. I'm like, it was my hundred-pound dog wrapped all up in the wrapped all up in the thing. Like, like all twisted up, man. I was like, you dumb dog, man, you so stupid. I got my son, I was like, it worked on our dumb dog. Some of y'all are biting the cheese, Satan's dangling the cheese and you're, and you're biting the cheese and you're all twisted up and entangled in offense and anger and betrayal and hurt. And the reality is the moment is a lot less weighty than what you're carrying. And God wants to undo some of the traps off of your life and off of my life, the clamps off of our legs. I'm praying that God would do that today. Here's some things that happen when you walk around offended, some things you miss out on. Number one, you miss out on destiny. Jesus could have destroyed his betrayers with legions of angels, but didn't because he would have derailed his destiny. Some of you are so offended and so hurt that you're going to miss out on destiny at the way you're handling the situation that took place. And God's saying, I don't want you to miss out on destiny. Some of you are going to miss out on correction and development. This is a major one. A person offended is harder to win than a city. Some of you won't allow anybody to correct you. Do you know that correction, Proverbs 9 says, if you, if you rebuke a scoffer or correct a scoffer, they'll hate you. But if you correct a wise person, they'll love you. They'll love you. If you love Jesus, you love correction. <laughs> like one amen right there. We all, we all love it till we get it. And, and if you're offended... You won't let anybody tell you anything, and you'll, you will, you'll be hurt, and you'll put up that wall. I was talking with my oldest son. He's about 20, uh, about to be 20 in July. Uh, not a, so he is doing great things. I love him with all my heart. And uh, I was trying to correct him the other day in the kitchen a couple weeks ago. I was like, come on, dude. This is why I, I need to speak to you about some things. And he's just fighting me back, fighting me back, fighting me back, pushing, pushing back. Like, ah, I don't want to hear it. 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 ah. I was like, I was like and finally, I was getting a little frustrated. He was getting frustrated. Any parents in here? 20-year-old, still living at the house. We're working on that timeline. Come on, somebody help me in Jesus' name. If you've got a place to rent, let me know. We need about five, 600 bucks a month. Let me know. Um, but, uh, but he's in the basement, and I was correcting him, and he's fighting. And I said, son, 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 time out, time out, time out. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, do, do I go about every day when I see you telling you how much you suck? Do I, do I do I go about every day telling you that you're no good and you're not worth anything and that you suck and and do I do I tell you that you're you're bad every day and do I do I do, that, do I do I tell you things every day and drag you down every day or or do I every day tell you how proud I am of you and tell you that you're that you're an awesome man and that I believe in you and that I do I brag to my friends about you and tell them that you're you're working in real estate and you're going to Pelissippi and, and that you got a good head on your shoulders and you got a ways to go but you're growing do I do I do that he goes yeah you do that I said, so if that's my daily MO, could you pause and actually believe the correction and direction I'm trying to bring into your life right now? Because this isn't what I say to you every single day. The other is the truth, but I want to bring you love and correction and direction. He's like, okay, that makes sense. Can can I just say to you that correction and direction and and is coming from people that love you? That do it in a healthy way and that care for you. And so you'll miss out on that if you carry offense. You'll miss out on that if you've allowed hurt to become your identity. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. Your purpose is defined by the cross. I got a few more minutes. We're going to go into a worship song here at the end. We're going to go into the song Freedom Reigns in this place. And I believe God's going to set some of you free from some moments in your life that you've allowed to be. An offense, and you've allowed it to become offend- offendable. You've been offended, and you've been carrying it, and it's weighty. Here's some reasons to not carry offense. Here's some reasons to live unoffendable. Uh, offense, number one, it's exhausting. When you look for the devil, you'll find him. When you look for hurt, you'll find it. It's tiresome to look everywhere to who's hurting you and carrying that weight every day. I don't know. We, you weren't designed to carry the weight. That's the point of the cross, The cross carried the weight. It's exhausting. Number two, it's distracting. And do you know the amount of energy it takes to always be offended? To carry offense? To be looking in the rearview mirror and judging your tomorrow by your yesterday and letting it navigate your life. It's exhausting. It's distracting the energy it takes. It creates collateral damage. Offense doesn't stop with you. I've seen divorces, I've seen kids in the middle of that. The bullets hit the kids. Offended people, the bullets hit the coworkers, bullets hit the the friend group. You begin to tell your offense without the context of the story, not giving any, any room for reconciliation and forgiveness of that person. Now the other people pick up the offense of that person. You begin to divide friend groups and families and houses and workplaces it leaks. The Hebrew says that a root of bitterness springs up and defiles many this. I'm just talking about the Judices that we have in our life, the betrayal, the pain, the hurt. These things can get into our heart. It, it creates collateral damage. Number four, it attracts other offended people into your life. If you, if you, if everybody around you hates the restaurant, hates the school, hates the church, hates the workplace, hates the people. Hate, if everybody around you, you've attracted them into your life and you probably need to find a new friend group and change what's coming out of your soul. <laughs> She's pointing to the other girl. She's like, that wasn't me laughing, that was her. <laughs> We're not supposed this is supposed to be a point-free zone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I get it. I, I I'm I know in my own own heart it attracts and then number five, healthy people will begin to avoid you. It's just what happens. If you're the person they avoid in the in the office hallway, <laughs> here they come. <laughs> You need to check your soul. You need, you need to look at, at areas that you've maybe been offended. And here, here's what I would say. And we're going to, we're going to begin to wrap up. You can't choose what happens to you. You can't choose what happens to you, but you can choose what stays around. I've got this big, giant burn pile in my backyard, huge burn pile. We're going to do a bonfire with it one day. Been storing that wood for my wife would say five years <laughs> She's ready for it to be burned. I would never take that burn pile and build a fence with it. The burn pile is meant to be burned up. The difference between the pile of wood that's there for a wood pile and wood that would be used to build a fence is what is permanent and what is not. The, the thing in your life that was not meant to stay, you've allowed to become permanent. Now you've taken something that was meant to be burnt up, that was meant to be removed, and you've reinforced it something that was meant to be momentary and you actually deal with with God, friends, counselors, family, people that was supposed to be momentary and you've built a fence. You've taken offense and built a fence. And now you can't see a clear path, a clear way out, clear doors of opportunity, clear doors of destiny, new relationships, new family, new friends. You can't see it because you've taken something that was meant to be temporary and burnt up by the Holy Spirit and you've built something permanent around it. And I know that the pain in your life was real. I get it. Like I, I, and you're probably weighing the pain right now going, there's no way I can let that go. What they did to me, there's no way. Can I just tell you that there's nothing that you can ever forgive that Jesus didn't forgive you greater for? You're like, they don't deserve it. I know they don't. But you're not entitled to hurt. You're not entitled to offense. You're entitled to grace, you're entitled to love, you're entitled to joy, you're entitled to peace, you're entitled to forgiveness, you're entitled to a relationship with a father, you're entitled to all of that. But we're not entitled to sin and offense. And I I believe that some things have stayed longer than a moment. A coach said it, a teacher said it, a parent said it, a spouse said it. I know that it was real. The abuse, the rape, the unjust uh, firing, the, the, the pain, the addiction, all the things. Like how in the world could I even let that go? Come on, the cross is the power to actually allow Jesus to unlock some traps and to loosen some offense. And forgiveness is the freedom. And could we allow the cross to be a stop sign to sin and offense that's been done to us and through us? God, at the cross, it stops today. Holy Spirit, remove it from me today. I'm going to ask you to be bold today. We're going to have our ministry team come up here. We saved our ministry time for the end. And I know some of you right now, you know the person that did it. You know the Judas. You know the feeling. You know the moment. You know the hurt. You know the pain. They don't deserve it. But we choose the cross today. We choose this moment today. And we're going to be bold. Every head up and no eyes closed. This is a family and I believe God wants to do some healing. God did it all across the house for service. If you'd say, you know what, pastor, I've allowed a moment to stay too long. I've allowed something that should have been burnt up to be built up. Would you stand to your feet with me? Thank you for your boldness. There's freedom in this place. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.